Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks move to 7-3 and three on the year. They get the 28-21 win over the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks defense puts up their best performance of the season on the field. And joining me to talk about it is Alistair Corp, Deputy Editor at Field Goals. Alistair, the Seahawks break in the newly named Lumen Field with a win. And nice to get a win against the Arizona Cardinals at home after being 1-4 and four in the last five games in Seattle. It's fantastic. It's nice to have a Cardinals game in Seattle that isn't just like a rainy afternoon in December with absolute nonsense happening and get a win, a good defensive performance. Um, yeah, hard not to feel good right now. A good defensive performance, but also an offensive performance that's more reminiscent, I think, of you know what we've come to expect from Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. No turnovers, a very efficient Russell Wilson Carlos Hyde has a nice game on the ground with almost 80 yards on about 14 carries, gets a touchdown on the day. They moved the ball well. They they limited the number of possessions that the Cardinals had, and it, it felt like the Seahawks offense that uh, we're, we were kind of used to, I think, before the start of this season. Yeah, I think it might have been uh, Bob Condotta who said basically this is probably Pete Carroll's favorite game of the season <laughs> just exactly for those reasons. Uh, that's That's the Seahawks offense we've come to expect, like, I think Russ only had maybe four, three incompletions, a hair under 200 yards. So, like, that's just a perfectly efficient, tidy game. Um, and, yeah, Carlos Hyde made a really big difference, regardless of what you think of, of running backs and, and their importance. Um, it's hard not to come away with that, thinking, thinking Hyde made a world of a difference there. Yeah, 23 of 28 for Russell. And I can think of two passes to DK Metcalf that came, you know, that hit him in his hands that would have resulted in big plays. He had one that was a... A drop touchdown in the back of the end zone. Kind of, it was a little bit high. Kind of hit him in the face mask and, and came to him really quickly. And then one in the open field where it was lucky that uh, it wasn't picked off by Peterson who was trailing him. Uh, did you see the uh, DK's already tweeted uh, that Russell Wilson owes an apology for the fastball, and, and Russ <laughs> called it his Randy Johnson fastball. So that's, I'm, I'm glad that we're, everybody's able to laugh about it. We've moved on. It's great. Yes, it's it's good to laugh about because y- you hate to look back at some of those plays and and you know think of just how different this game could have gone because you had a missed extra point by Jason Myers in this game. You had some other things there early on in the game, a pass to DK Metcalf that was a a nice pass down the right sideline. And Damian Lewis called for a holding penalty when all he really did was get trucked by the defensive lineman. I, yeah, it's, uh, I truly, it's like officiating and announcers are two things that I try like hell not to complain about, but oh my gosh, the officiating tonight was driving me crazy. Just like no control of the game whatsoever. So choppy, but, uh, yeah, and that was probably DK's best rep of his career against Patrick Peterson, who, who's got the best of him up until now. And I mean, again, I mean, it goes back. I just I'm happy. You know, it's all good now. You know, they, they got the win. Uh, all's well that ends well. Speaking of that, how about Damian Lewis? You know, you, you get on him for the, the getting trucked in that one moment there. But uh, how about him just stepping in at center? And having never played the position, and yes, he'd practiced. I guess he was scheduled to be the backup last week if Kyle Fuller happened to go down and they needed to move somebody over into that spot. But, you know, a, a relatively good performance, especially considering having never played the spot in his career. It, it exemplified how kind of amazing his entire rookie season has been where, you know, we're half a season in and it's already getting to the point where you're not even really thinking about him much. He's just he's just so steady, so solid. You don't have to worry about him. And and for him to do that is, is amazing. I know we've, we've never had that from a rookie offensive lineman in the Pete Carroll era. 
Oh, and, and like, I know we, we are particularly sensitive about offensive line play because of how bad it's been over the last decade, but like his, he's, he, he's absolutely amazing for any, any NFL team, a rookie to come in and play as well as he's played is just fantastic. And yeah, I mean, save for like the couple penalties, which obviously kind of have an ugly spotlight. It was almost a seamless transition for him at center as, as far as like a snap to snap basis goes, take away the penalties and he was steady as could be. And yeah, just what a player. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about Damian Lewis. They just, they crushed that pick and he's just going to be there for eight, 10 years. And, and we're never going to think about him at all because he's just going to be so steady. Well, a fellow third round pick in this game had a nice one as well. Tyler Lockett, nine catches, just 67 yards, but had a nice little toe tap catch in the end zone on Patrick Peterson. Again, not a lot of yards, but nine catches on nine targets by Tyler Lockett. It was so calming because, you know, he had that injury designation coming in. And, and we saw last season when he had that injury after the, after the 49ers game in week 10, where it just, he was obviously not right the rest of the year. And, and the passing game kind of fell apart as a result. And I was a little bit worried that we were going to see a little bit of a repeat. But um, yeah, he looked perfectly healthy. Um, kind of came out of that, that scary little car crash of a tackle um, that led to a little uh, kerfuffle. But uh, yeah, he looks okay. So so that's great news for the passing attack because, I mean, I know that I keep saying it, but DK Metcalf is like the superstar of the offense, but it's that Lockett-Wilson connection that drives it forward. And and without Lockett, they'd be in some trouble. So I'm really, really glad he looked okay tonight. Yeah, how about that moment in the, what was it, the fourth quarter by then? Or was it the late in the third? Because the Seahawks, it was third and seven. He, he throws it to Tyler Lockett. He comes up short of the first down. And within that scrum, uh, Kirkpatrick, ends up getting flagged. They get 15 yards and they end up a couple plays later. Hides, you know, breaking one near the goal line, trying to run over Patrick Peterson to get to the end zone. He gets pushed out at the two yard line, comes back, gets the touchdown. And that's when the Seahawks went up 23, 14. The, the game kind of hinged on that moment. Oh, a hundred percent. And, it just honestly, one of my favorite moments of the night was on that Hyde run. It, it looked like DK Metcalf almost purposely blocked Pat Peterson into Hyde's path, trying to like basically get him run over by a truck. It was, it was so funny. Just watching Metcalf toy with people, it, it never gets old. And and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to know what was said or what happened that kind of led to it. Because I don't think it was just the tackle that that led to that uh, that scuffle. Um, yeah, something yeah must there was a lot said, of talk but, in there. And it, I know the broadcast team, they were trying to pick up on it. I thought that uh, Brandon Shell, I think it was who came in, but you know, before he got injured there late in the game and kind of locked up DK's arms behind him so he couldn't throw any punches. And uh, because you heard Aikman and Buck saying how they thought DK was maybe the one who threw the punch, which was which was what led to the flag, but it turned out to be the Cardinals. Yeah, that's that's the play of the night by Shell there. Just uh yeah, keep Metcalf on the field and, and let him do his thing. Uh yeah, I, I wasn't really paying all that much attention when when the thing happened so yeah when the broadcast said it was metcalf to a bunch i was like oh, no that's not great and people are, are and uncharacteristic too yeah when they said that i was like no i i don't think so yeah exactly and, and i mean people are are kind of weirdly critical of metcalf when he when he makes mistakes but like, i think it's just because he's so like pretty much amazing the rest of the time so i was like oh god now it's gonna lead to another week of people complaining about metcalf but uh no it worked out pretty well and uh yeah nothing to complain about on that end yeah, three catches, 46 yards for Metcalf. He had the one touchdown catch, but probably my favorite play by Metcalf was the one where he he caught the ball on Peterson and just kind of spun around, and Peterson just goes sliding on his side, and Metcalf able to run up the sideline for a few more yards. 
Yeah, and I think I believe that was the same one where you like he was coming back to the ball and he plucked that thing out of the air, which yeah. is always encouraging to see because sometimes yeah, it gets a little bit uh, too comfortable with the body catches. But that one, he he went up and attacked it, and uh, I, I really want to see more of that. That's when he comes to be like a truly dominant possession receiver, and that's where his game rounds out and uh, becomes even further unstoppable where he already kind of is in that place. Well, I do want to talk about the defense more, Alistair, but there's there's one other moment I want to get to with the Cardinals and the Seahawks and maybe a former Seahawk, because there was a moment in this game that another critical moment where the Cardinals, they, they have the ball. Kyler Murray, he ends up getting pressured, throws it into the turf at the two yard line, and it really backs him up. And the very next play, J.R. Sweezy, former Seahawks guard, called for the hold and uh, the Seahawks get the safety and they get the ball back. Yeah, yeah, I was just so happy to see Collier kind of get that moment because I think expectation had been skewed to where like if he isn't good, then he's absolute trash because he was a first round pick where the reality is he's been a pretty fine rotational player as a run defender. He's had a couple big moments as a pass rusher and kind of like the end of the Patriots game there. Just really happy to see him get that moment because yeah, he's played better than people have kind of said about him. And uh, it's just, you know, he's one of those guys, same as John Reed, where you're just hoping like, heck, like now that Carlos Dunlap is there, maybe it just kind of awakens everybody else down the line. And, and we have seen that in spurts. Uh, so hopefully they build upon it because just even a good enough pass rush would make a world of difference. Well, and the, the thing about that was it really killed any kind of momentum that the Arizona Cardinals had because after Carlos Hyde got that touchdown to go up 23-14, the Cardinals come back. The The defense sends the blitz on third and goal from the three. And Edmonds is just wide open in the end zone and they get the touchdown. And then the Cardinals are only within two points there. The defense is able to stop the Seahawks on the on the very next drive. I think it was a three and out. And so there they are getting the ball back within two points and the ability to to they had been driving very well in the second half of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it there because that was the only real time where where I thought it was in doubt at all. Other than that, it was kind of cruising on either side of it. But uh, that moment was where you got a little bit nervy. And and like you said, it just it completely swung the momentum uh, of the game and, and it made a world of difference. And Kyler still has those little moments where he just he looks so hesitant to get hit. And, and I mean, obviously, he does an amazing job of avoiding it for the most part because he's just this impossible task for any defender. But uh yeah, he does little things like that where he just chucks it at the feet. And, and there is a, a terrible, terrible penalty to take. And, and obviously, it swung the game. Well, there's a lot more to talk about with this game, Alistair. A lot about the defense, including one thing that I just have not seen from the Seahawks defense since week one of the season. And I want to talk about that coming up next. To Alistair Corp, deputy editor at Field Goals, talking about the Seahawks 28 to 21 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Nice to get a division win, especially after losing that game down in Arizona. And they did it with their defense, Alistair, in this game. It was it was so nice to see. I, I mentioned it talking on the radio this week. I mentioned it talking on the Seahawkers podcast this week. One thing that I haven't seen that I really wanted to see from the Seahawks defense was just getting some big hits. It's not that I, I needed to see them playing, you know, super tight coverage on defense. I just wanted to see the emotion. I wanted to see some big hits and we got to see that in this game. Yeah. And it's kind of what you expected from the defense coming in where like coming into the season, even where you had guys like Jamal Adams. I mean, Quandre Diggs was like almost a highlight reel on a weekly basis last year for, for the hits he'd laid and run support. Um, even a guy like Ugo Amadi, who just seems to fly to the football. You kind of expected this coming in and just, it hadn't happened. It hadn't happened yet. And, 
it tonight was a lot more reflective of it and and you just kind of saw them all feed off that energy and the elation at the very end it almost felt like yeah the culmination of that which was it, it was finally the defense returning to kind of the form that we expected and the form that we had hoped coming into the season which it just hasn't been the case for for more than kind of 10 quarters before tonight want to give a shout out to former field goals contributor Maddie Brown who said my bold game prediction he put, posted this on Twitter is the Seattle Seahawks defense will play well and execute all of their assignments tonight it would be the first time they've done it in 2020 Ken Norton Jr's unit will hold the Arizona Cardinals to 21 points maximum a turning point in the season wow well done Maddie well done he's <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's the best if you're not following maddie what are you doing go follow the guy he's, he's phenomenal uh good for him that's yeah i'm more happy for maddie than the seahawks defense now <laughs> i know lisa posted underneath that uh that it sounds like witchcraft because uh yeah to come up with a prediction like that ahead of the game and i checked the timestamp too so uh yes good on the defense good on maddie for maybe uh having some foresight there and how about carlos dunlap getting the walk-off sack essentially on a three-man rush on Kyler Murray. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's, <laughs> it's just something where it just you forget how nice that feels because it's been so long. Um, it's pretty much been, since the second he came into the lineup at Buffalo, it's been it's been transformative. I mean, not just kind of how he affects, affects an opposing offense, like his ability to pressure the quarterback, but just the way that like the team has to account for him and, and it opens up opportunities down the line. Like it's not a coincidence that we've seen some of the best games out of Jaron Reed since, since uh, Dunlap came here because it just, he makes everybody else better and it, and it enables them to rush four more often, which enables them to play more cover three. So they're not blitzing as often. It's not putting the linebackers, the corners, the safeties in bad positions. Like his, that trade is going to completely transform the defense. And it's what I've said all along. They just have to be good enough don't actively lose games for the for the team and, and let the offense carry them and they're perfectly fine and they're well capable of doing that and and I think tonight and and the second half of the Rams game is kind of a look toward that and they can string together performances like that there's no reason for them like the Seahawks can get right back in that first seed mix and I mean home field advantage isn't a big deal this year I don't think without any fans but uh yeah it's it's such a big trade I like it's I don't want to say it's season saving because I still think they could have contended kind of without making that with with a really really bad defense but can't understate how big of an addition it is yeah that addition getting snacks harrison back in the lineup it you know going into the the first week of the season it I, there were so many of us saying this team is just a couple moves on the defensive line away and here it is mid-season and harrison's in the lineup and you get carlos dunlap in the lineup as well and it, it feels at least like a competent defense now which is like you said it's it's all they need really Absolutely. And they've only gotten kind of little moments of good play out of Benny Mayoa, who who I think there's reason to expect that he can play a lot better. Um, I don't know that he played very much tonight coming back from, from his injury, but yeah. uh, he's another guy who's really, really going to benefit from Dunlap's presence. And I think they can start to get creative with their pass rush packages because like Rasheem Green's a guy who can rush from the inside, obviously Collier. Dunlap did quite a bit with Cincinnati. And so if you have kind of Mayoa playing pretty well, you, that frees you up to do a lot of different things. And you can start to get creative with four-man rushes. You know, it's not creativity through blitzes; it's creativity four-man rushes, and and that like you kind of simulate pressure in that regard, and just opens up so much more for the Seahawks defense. And yeah, it just it helps their quest to just be, as you said, good enough. Just be good enough, and and they're in such a good spot, right? Because then you can sprinkle in Jamal Adams. You don't have to be blitzing him so heavily. And it was it was just night and day when you look at this game versus the game that they played against the Cardinals just a few weeks ago. And, you know, they, they had moments where they, they rushed three guys and weren't able to get any pressure at all 
on Kyler Murray. And then you see in this game, not only were they able to pressure him, they were able to, you know, because last game they they just didn't pressure him. So he just threw the ball and all over the field and he didn't really have to run at all. But here you saw them pressure him. And then there were guys like LJ Collier stepping up when he tried to move up in the pocket. Uh, he only finished with five rushing attempts and 15 yards. You know, so between that, Jamal Adams forcing him into the intentional grounding penalty, it was it just it was so different from just a few weeks ago. Yeah, and limiting his, his rushing attempts, it, it, that's an absolutely incredible feat. I mean, I'm not sure how often people have watched the Cardinals this year, but like I think Kyler running the ball is, is the most unstoppable play in football right now. And, and so for them to have to kind of completely go away from it and, and for Seattle to limit it when he did do it, that's an amazing accomplishment in itself. And, and I mean, you saw KJ Wright in space on that one play. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite plays this season, just to see. Yeah. Old what man was KJ that? Third like and that. one. And so it ends up being fourth and four after KJ makes the tackle there. Absolutely incredible. I have, I have no idea how he stuck with them. I mean, I, I think there's the, the regime green sack against Kyler last year in Arizona, where similarly stuck with them. And you just, how the heck did KJ do it? That makes no sense, but uh, it was so fun to watch. And just the, Long may the KJ Renaissance continue because it's it's so beautiful. Well, I mean, the alternative to that was when Kyler got out in space and you saw Jamal Adams get turned around. And I don't know if if Adams was thinking that he was close enough that Kyler was going to slide, but I, I rarely ever see Kyler Murray slide. No, because he's just he's just he's so, so shifty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You could, like he, even if you think he, he's about to slide, he he's almost able to just get out to the sideline in, in an instant. Uh, yeah, he's an absolutely impossible proposition. I mean, I can't remember what what Troy Aikman said on the broadcast, but it was something along the lines of like, you don't really see Jamal Adams get turned around like that. But it, to me, it would have been more surprising to have seen Jamal stop Kyler in space because stopping Kyler in space is is impossible. But uh, yeah, KJ did it in that one big moment and Seattle did a heck of a job limiting it. And uh, it was nice to see Shaquem Griffin get a couple snaps out there tonight too because he did a really good job of spying him uh, in the first game. So he didn't do it as much tonight, but I'm, I'm glad he kind of still was able to get a role in there because he has a role to play. We, we just haven't seen him in recent weeks. Yeah, I think we saw Adams probably spying him a little bit more in this game. And they, they did it in a different way in this game than they did in the first game because it seemed more like they were rushing just three guys last time and then dropping back Shaquem as the spy. And, it, and it's resulted in such ineffective pressure uh, that and then playing, you know, the soft zone coverage in addition to that. It was rough, and and we saw some moments from that in this game. But I I thought it was a lot better. You know, the the digs hit on the tight end over the middle. It was it was nice to see a play like that. Diggs ends up taking a personal foul penalty on uh, where DeAndre Hopkins I think cried about it for about uh, five <laughs> minutes before the official finally threw the flag and and pointing to his head, even though he only got hit in the shoulder pad. But okay. It's the joy of being an elite receiver. Their ability to just influence flags coming in, and not that the officials needed an excuse tonight. But uh, yeah, no, that was a, that was a really positive night for Diggs. Uh, he's gotten uh, a lot of criticism this year. I don't think that it's entirely founded necessarily, but uh, he made a couple big plays tonight, including I think it was on the third down right before Dunlap's game ceiling sack. Right. So really happy for Diggs on tonight because uh, yeah, I, I think he's had a pretty steady season. Um, you know, it's just, you know, free safety is kind of like the offensive line where kind of are only seeing him when he's making a mistake, at least when you're watching on TV. Right. Right. And Alistair, you talked earlier about how this might have been one of Pete Carroll's favorite games. Uh, seeing him in the press conference, I don't think he could have been any prouder when someone brought up the rushing stats for the Arizona Cardinals and the Kenyon Drake finished 11 of 29, along with Kyler Murray's five for 15. I, this this was a Pete Carroll uh, defensive performance that he can be proud of. 
And very encouraging, too, because while the run defense has been pretty solid all season long, they have been kind of exposed against teams that really go to the outside. You know, yeah. you kind of saw Dalvin Cook have an awesome game against them. And and this was the first time they kind of dominated that kind of game. And, and yeah, it, the, the front has performed all season long. It just, you know, you can have to bring extra pressure. It's kind of derailed things. But uh, yeah, you could tell the huge difference in Pete's mood. I mean, what, what had he said last week where he, I don't recognize that game? You just rarely <laughs> see him sound so dejection and so kind of. Well, everybody did. And I thought that that was one of the things that I, I wasn't so sure about going into this week is with the team being just seeming so down after that last loss to the Rams, if they were going to be able to bounce back emotionally. It was very strange. It's one of the kind of the few little stretches where it just is. It's, it's, it's tough to say where it's, you know, we all know it. We see the Seahawks for the past 10 years, like this weird aura around them. And these past couple of weeks were the first time where you didn't really feel it. You know, you, you Russell Wilson gets the ball back and you don't really expect them to march down the field and get back into the game. And then tonight was kind of a return to that where you're like, oh yeah, there's like, the energy around this team, the belief, and then obviously kind of Wilson's steadying presence makes it all go. But uh, yeah, it's such an encouraging performance. And I think just so badly needed, like it was Wilson needed that game. Metcalf needed that game. Brian Schottenheimer needed that game. I mean, the adjustment that he's made compared to the fourth quarter and overtime in the first Arizona game where they just had absolutely no answer to the blitz, much better prepared tonight. Um, you know, people still aren't crazy about him, but Ken Norton Jr. needed that game. Everybody across the board needed that game. And now they get the little miniature buy, then they get this easy part of the schedule and just such a pivotal night for the Seahawks. And I think everybody's got to be feeling good because, yeah, it just makes a world of difference for them. Yeah, they absolutely needed this game because of this next stretch of games. You expect the team to dominate because you're going up against, you know, you got to go on the road, which, okay, but going up against the Eagles, then you come back home against the Giants and Jets. And then you go on the road to face the Washington football team. And I was looking at this before we started talking, Alistair, looking at the the performances of the Eagles, Giants and Washington. And I think among those three teams, they've only beat two teams outside of their division. And one was the Eagles beating the San Francisco 49ers. And another one, I think, was uh, maybe a win against the Falcons or something. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. Oh, that was the Cowboys. That was uh, the and yeah, we've already played the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, and then I mean that was like the insane. I think the ninety nine point eight percent win probability (laughs) gone wrong game. Yeah, with the the kickoff that the or the onside kick that the Falcons blew. That's right. Yeah, yeah, just a a beautiful Falcons classic. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a hideous division. Um, It's a weird, weird place where I think the game in that stretch that I'm most worried about is is the Washington football team game. Just. their defensive line is really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, the way that Alex Smith is able to kind of check down to the backs, that's going to put Seattle's defense and make them kind of tackle, which is a little bit worrisome. Terry McLaurin's a superstar. But uh, other than that, you you know, you're kind of looking at this. and You're in first place in NFC West. You have 10 days off. And then you have the easiest month of your season right before hitting the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine they're not feeling good right now. And, and to get everybody back, I mean, keep talking about the defensive like performance over the last month being really poor and they've done this without starting cornerbacks. Like that's insane. I think everybody kind of keeps forgetting this, that they're doing it without either of their starting cornerbacks, which is a horrible situation. So when you get Shaquille Griffin back, that in itself is going to be huge. And then maybe get Daryl Taylor in the mix soon and just reinforcements along the way. And yeah, they're going to get healthier and they're coming into this stretch and just (laughs) tonight just feels like it's turned everything and, 
yeah, I keep on thinking of just how do you not feel good right now because they're in such a good position now. Well, especially as a Seahawks fan, Alistair, when, uh, you know, after the loss last week to the Rams, you, you kind of look over at the scoreboard and you see the Cardinals losing to the Bills and you're thinking, OK, well, at least there's a loss there and and that'll drop the Cardinals in the standings. But no, not only that, they have a Hail Mary to end the game. And so we have to hear about that. It is a short week, but you hear about it every single day of the week coming into this game and how high the Cardinals are riding into this game and just feeling the emotional low coming out of the Rams game. I, I think that's what makes this uh, this win feel especially good. Yeah, it's just, just constant reminders that like the single best wide receiver in the NFL is coming into your stadium and, and you're down both your starting corners. And also he just made the biggest play of his career. Um, and also he's playing with the best quarterback that he's ever played with. And you're just like, oh, oh no. But uh, yeah, a relative non-factor. I mean, for one reason or another, they just kept on throwing the ball to, to Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk and and kind of just let Trey Flowers sit off Nuke. And, and when he got the targets, I mean, it was like little six yard out routes to the sideline. And he, he, they like they yeah, pretty much first downs uh, here yeah. and there. Yeah. I mean, Arizona more or less kind of like. <laughs> he, they did a better job of defending Hopkins than Seattle did because Seattle didn't really need to cover him. So kind of got bailed out there, which is, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I don't think very highly of Cliff Kingsbury as a, as a head coach or as a play caller really. And, uh, yeah, I think that he's a bit of a blessing to NFC West right now because they have so much talent right now. I just am not convinced by the guy leading it. Yeah. The longest pass play of the night was a 25 yard pass to Max Williams. Which that was, I mean, that was a, a, a stunning throw um, by Kyler. And, oh, that, and yeah, awesome that was catch, the one but, where he went out right at the two-yard line. Yeah, exactly. After they've already spent like five minutes talking about Kyler Murray's shoulder, which they seem to uh, n- not have enough shots of him warming up uh, all night long. They're just like, yep, yep, we we know now. Kyler Murray's shoulder is, is maybe hurt. He, it's bothering him, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> kept going back to it. But uh, yeah, for Hopkins was just, I mean, and especially after the first game where had that amazing uh, kind of fake look to the sideline and throw. So uh, nice to see him get limited. What do you think the Seahawks will do once Shaquille Griffin is back in the lineup? Who do you go with as the starting corner opposite him? Say, just saying everybody's healthy. I think if Quentin Dunbar is truly healthy, then him. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I think I'd stay with Trey Flowers. I know that people don't really want to hear that. I don't think he's been necessarily awful in recent weeks. He's had a couple of pretty good games, but... Um, the truth of the matter is like they're starting DJ Reed on the outside under exceptional circumstances. Like I said, they they're out both their starting corners. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. In a perfect world, they're not starting Reed. He just isn't really what they look for on an outside corner. He had a couple of rough drives, but um, you know, I, I think it gives you interesting options because Amadi's been a pretty good nickel. Um mm-hmm. Reed is naturally a nickel, but yeah, I think it's gotta be Dunbar Flowers just because that's that's what the Seahawks defense is. They want those long, lanky corners, and, and that's what they are. Reed is Reed is not that, but um you know, they, they keep on finding these guys like Ryan Neal is obviously serviceable. Reed is serviceable. Amadi is serviceable. So they have options back there. They just kind of got to get the outside guys healthy and hopefully it kind of clicks. Gosh, I'm kind of disappointed you didn't throw Nico Thorpe's name out there. Oh, yeah, I think he's out for the season now. Oh, well, I said, if, say everybody's <laughs> healthy, Alistair. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, in that case, literally only start Nico Thorpe. You go 11 versus one and it'll be okay. <laughs> he's Alistair Corp, deputy editor at Field Goals. Alistair, what can people look for up at Field Goals in this long, uh, well, mini bye week? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to have something on Carlos Dunlap up tomorrow because, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think it can be overstated how much his impacts felt across the defense, not not just the defensive line. I mean, really has had a, a transformative impact and it's only beginning. But uh, 
then we're going to kind of dive into the coach's film and, and just enjoy the win because, um, yeah, it's, it's just not as fun reviewing losses. So it's nice to get back into the win column and, uh, hopefully everybody enjoys everything that's to come. Yes. And three in three out is definitely going to be more fun this week. Starting with an in, be sure and get your ins and outs to Clinton Bonner at Clinton Bond on Twitter. And we'll probably be recording that earlier. So be sure and get those in on Friday if you can. And Alistair, let's get on out of here. Appreciate you coming on, breaking down this win by the Seahawks. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hawks.